We believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord, who was promised to the people of Israel, who came in the flesh to dwell among us, who announced the coming of the rule of God, who gathered disciples and taught them, who died on the cross to free us from sin, who rose from the dead to give us life and hope, who reigns in heaven at the right hand of God, who comes to judge and bring justice to victory. We believe God has made us his people to invite others to follow Christ, to proclaim forgiveness of sins and hope, to bear witness to the power of love over hate, and to, and to proclaim, proclaim Jesus Christ, Christ Lord the Lord of all. over all.
God, we are the church. It says in that song, we are the church, and we stand as one. We're here today standing as one to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to give him honor and glory, everything that he deserves that we as just meager individuals can give to him. But we're going to do our best today. I was reading a verse of scripture or singing a song, actually. It's talking about if we don't do it, then the rocks and the trees are going to cry out. And we ain't going to let that happen today, right? We're going to praise the Lord and we're going to worship him. And we're going to worship him as the church. We're going to ask you all to stand. Let's sing about that right now. Oh, church, arise and let's put our armor on. We're in a battle, so let's sing together. To his name. 
responsibility to rise up and we were thinking that as we were as we we're approaching our July 4th our Independence Day celebrations that we have you know it's up to the church to rise up during occasions like this because we know folks we all know that we're sitting here that our land is broken our nation is hurting we're divided and we're not following God as a nation we know that and uh, we would like to think differently, but we, we know it's, it's different. Do you know, there was a time Solomon had just gotten through, he'd just gotten through building his temple. The temple, excuse me, not his temple. But he also was building his house. He built his house. I can imagine both of them were magnificent. But he made it a special place. He wanted it to be a special place. And God told him, 
knowing that people were still not going to be everything that, they, that he expected them to be. But he said, he said something like this. He says, you know, when I have to send a drought, and when I have to send the locusts to devour everything you have, and when I have to send the pestilences and everything, he said this one thing. He made this promise to Israel. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. What a great promise they had. Oh, these people had the greatest promise in the world. And we could see that that was the, that was the history of Israel as we went. But you know something we learn from history, don't we? We learn there's not only Israel, there's also the United States of America. There's also people from all over this world. We, turn from, we, we don't turn from our wicked ways. We don't call on Him. We don't humble ourselves and pray. But it is a promise that God, we, we know that that's the heart of God. The promise was made to Israel, but yet the heart of God is for His people to follow Him and to, to be obedient to His commandments and His statutes. As a matter of fact, He told Solomon, He said, he said you know, if you will follow my statutes and my commands, just as your father David did, then you will inherit this land. You will have this, and it will be forever and ever. But if you don't, and if you fall and follow other gods, I will rip you up out of this land, and the land will not be yours anymore. So that's the promise of God. That's the heart of God, folks, is that we would follow Him, but we have to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. And so I think that that's what we need to do today. And we're going to sing a song that is a prayer and it's called Heal Our Land. And then in a few minutes, we are going to pray for our nation.
Let's pray. Father, humble ourselves. Make, it, make us humble, Lord, this morning as we sang and as we heard. Lord, we pray that you would heal our land. We pray for our president, our vice president, our senate, our congressman, Lord, in Washington, D.C., that you would work in their lives. Lord, may they come to know you if they don't know you. And, Father, we pray for our local and state leaders here in this state of Alabama. Lord, we pray for our governor and our lieutenant governor and all the members of Congress there in Montgomery that serve us. Lord, that they would come to know you if they don't know you. And, Lord, we know that if that would happen, Lord, you would heal our land, and we would see many, many changes in this country for the good. Lord, we pray for our local leaders in our county and our cities that we represent. Lord, we just pray that you would bless them. May they also come to know you, Lord. And we pray as we consider the independence of our country. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for the leaders in years past, Lord, that saw the need of you to honor you and glorify you. And we thank you, Lord, that they gave us a heritage that we can still live today as one of the most free countries in the world. And, Lord, we pray that you would continue to guide and direct us and that we would humble ourselves before you and pray as we're doing now. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to first of all say thank you to everyone that came out and helped us move yesterday. Um, if you have any doctor bills or anything, send them to Thad Blunt. Um, he'll take care of that for us. Um, I've had the opportunity to get to know a lot of you guys, and there's some of you that I'm still getting to know, but I'm really looking forward to getting to know everybody and uh, just being able to worship with you guys and um, just, just excited to hear about y'all's lives and what God is going to do in this church. Um, for us, me and my family, it's like coming home. I knew a lot of you guys from Deerfoot Church and at Springville Road. And for us, it's just a blessing to be back here. And it's just a God thing of how he worked this all out. So we're really excited uh, to be back home. Um, at the end of my message, uh, Fran and Janice Burgess are going to come and share a little bit about it, their ministry before... Um, they head off to Papua New Guinea, so it's kind of a bittersweet time uh, for us here. But let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Thank you, Lord, for just the love that you have uh, for us. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us, Lord. We don't deserve anything but hell. But you sent your son uh, to make a way. And Lord, we just can't thank you enough for what you have done, not only for salvation, but to have victory um, over our sin in our life every day. It's not just fire insurance, um, but it's victory over all the things that we struggle with. And we thank you that we have a powerful advocate that is on our side. I pray that you will just be with us in this time, that you will stir our hearts, that my words will not be my words, but that your words will flow through this broken vessel. Probably sings your name. Amen. Have you thought about evangelism in your life? 
Would you be able to define it if someone asked you? This is what I've found. Here's uh, two terms that I want to read to you guys. One's a secular definition and one is a biblical definition. The secular definition of evangelism is a noun, the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Um, The biblical definition is evangelism comes from the word evangelist, which means one announcing good news. In a general sense, anyone who proclaims the mercy and grace of God, especially as unfolding in the gospel. So does that mean people that have, just have the gift of evangelism are the ones to proclaim the gospel? Y'all can, y'all can talk back to me, it's okay. okay. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that scary. God has commanded all of us, if we claim to be Christians, to do the job of an evangelist. It's a direct command from God. I want to read to you a couple of verses or several verses, but Christ commanded the disciples and those of us that are Christians to do the same. What was their response, and what should our response be? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28, verse 18. We're going to put it up on the screen. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 14. And many of you are very familiar with this passage. You've probably heard many sermons preached on the Great Commission. Um, especially when missionaries are here. But maybe let's look at it through some fresh eyes to see what God is trying to show us today. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then again, in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. If we call ourselves disciples of Christ, we have no excuse. Let me give you two examples. The first example that I want to tell you about in the scripture is Timothy. Maybe y'all are familiar with Timothy. Um, If you turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, and this is Paul talking to Timothy, for the time will come when they they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul commanded Timothy to do the job of an evangelist because he knew that he was very shy and very timid. And so there we have an example of Timothy, Timothy, someone who is more introverted, more shy, more quiet, less bold, but commanded to do the job of an evangelist. So it doesn't matter if you're shy, not shy, extroverted, introverted, somewhere in the middle. Um, We all have an influence on someone. You have an influence on someone that I don't have an influence on. And that's the great thing about the body of Christ. He uses us all with our different talents and abilities 
to affect the kingdom of God for his glory. The second person I wanted to talk about is uh, Paul. He understood this command very well. In Romans 1, uh, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would, be, would not be made void. 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I want, to, I want to camp out in this verse for a minute. If we don't share the gospel, we are disobeying a direct command from God because we are under compulsion to share the gospel everywhere we go. We are commanded to share the gospel. I want to go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 1.17 as well where it talks about um, the gospel. Not in cleverness of speech so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. The gospel message is simple. A child can understand the gospel message. Those of you that work with kids understand this, right? When my son was five years old, he prayed to receive Christ as his personal Savior. So it's not a complicated message. Um, how were you saved? Was it in cleverness of speech? Was it super complicated philosophical words? It was a simple gospel message, right? Another question, how did Christ win you over? Did he beat you over the head with his word? Did he intimidate you? No, he won us over through his loving kindness, right? Many of y'all can testify to that, right? That's how I was won over. I grew up in church, working hard, you know. Uh, my parents were missionaries. I did all the right things, said all the right things. Every time the doors were open, you know, I was there. I knew a lot of scripture. I did all the right things. But I had an emptiness inside of me that could only be filled by Christ. And so it was a simple Sunday school gospel presentation that I heard, and it just struck me to the core. And I know that I, I had it up here, right? Had all the intellectual right things to do up here but I didn't have it in my heart. And I, know that I, I knew that I needed a Savior, and actually, that's kind of what maybe some of you have grown up in the church. Is we've heard these messages, and we've heard these sermons multiple times, but, but maybe there's some of you out there that it hasn't sunk into your heart. I remember for 10 years, I was a youth pastor, and I, was, I served at three different churches, and all three of the churches, there was several students that came to know the Lord. But they had grown, most of them had grown up in church their whole lives, but they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we can sit in these pews today and do all the right things, say all the right things, have all the right verses memorized, but still be lost. And that's a danger that we have in our churches. And so we need to be struck to the core in our, in our hearts that we need a Savior. And that's what evangelism is. He won us over by his loving kindness. And I just remember 
it, it wasn't a super emotional experience that I had. And maybe some of you have experienced that. But it was just almost like a, a kind, loving hand, an arm coming up around me and just hugging me, kind of like what Buddy Seals does to most of you guys, you know? It's kind of, it felt like Buddy Seals hugging me. Um, it was just a kind, I love you, Jordan, and I have a, a great plan for your life, you know? And it was, it was the loving kindness that won me over. And that's what I think is important that Paul is trying to let us know, trying to communicate to us that it's his loving kindness that wins us over. Going back to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, um, just reading that again, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Because the gospel is the power of God. The word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, ability, able, power, ability, physical or moral, as residing in a person or a thing, power in action. This is where we get our English word dynamite from. It is not in our power, but in God's power uh, that we are saved. It is not in our power, it's in God's power that we can share with someone and lead them to Christ. It's not of our own works, it's God's power that gives us the courage and the strength, the right words to say. And so if you're, you're intimidated um, by that, or if you're nervous by that, just remember that in that very hour of that very moment, Christ will give you the right words to say as need be. I really like that a lot because a lot of times I try to do things in my own flesh and try to use my personality or the gifts that God has given me, but I start relying on my own flesh, and that's where I mess it all up. But when I'm completely surrendered to the Lord and his power, that's when amazing things happen. And God will do amazing things in your life as well. So we have the power of God to help us not be ashamed of the gospel. I know a lot of times people have been ashamed of the gospel because they're worried about what people are going to think about them, right? At your workplace, how are people going to perceive you if you share the gospel? Are you going to be ridiculed? You might even lose your job, right? And I knew I, growing up on the foreign field, missionaries... Christians that I know in certain areas of, of different um, foreign countries have to pay the price for being a Christian. By the grace of God, we still live in a free country that we can publicly and privately worship the Lord for now and not be afraid of being thrown in prison or killed. But I know in a lot of the rest, in the rest of the world, there are people who are suffering for believing in Christ. There are a lot of families that are disowning a person if they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But even in those very moment, in those hard times, God is giving them the power to be courageous, to stand firm, and to share the gospel, even with those guards that have imprisoned them. And that's what the power of Christ does. And we read about the life of Timothy, the life of Paul, how Christ gave him that power to do these amazing things. When we lived in Texas, I made it a priority to go out into the world because the job that I had with Camino Global, our mission agency at that time, um, we were surrounded by believers. We were surrounded by Christians. 
And so I wasn't in the world much. So I made it a purpose to go out. Um, I started going to the same restaurants or going to the same person to get a haircut, things like that. And um, I just really made it a purpose uh, to, to get to know these people and to share with these people. A guy that I got to know, um, his name's Kyle. Let me tell you a little bit about Kyle. He was born with spina, spina bifida. When his dad found out, he left him and his mom. Kyle works at Buffalo Wild Wings in Mesquite, Texas. He was unsure about his salvation, so we talked about it. I led him in a prayer, reminding him that it's not the prayer that saves you. It's what Christ did on the cross for you. And he understood that and believed. You know? And so, for me, that excited me. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be doing as evangelists, right? We're supposed to be, everywhere we're going, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel. And, and to this day, we stay in contact, and he talks to me about what's going on in his life. His mom is having to work two or three jobs. She just had surgery, taking care of his grandmother, and he's in a wheelchair. You know, be in a wheelchair for his whole life. But he says, Jordan, I have a peace that passes all understanding, because I know who I believed, and I know the power that's inside of me. And I just think it is really encouraging to be around people like that. I also want to just read an article uh, from Christianity Today called Should Evangelism Be the Highest Priority of Christians at Work? And this is from Joseph Vijayam, and he's the CEO of Olive Technology. It's here in the United States and in India. And he quotes, Workplace ministry is about sharing the gospel in word and in deed, which is evangelism. But it is also about living a life that bears witness to the fruit of the gospel. In other words, it is both intentional evangelism, which is the doing, as well as the unintentional living, which is the being. Both the being and the doing will point to Christ and his gospel. And that is what it means to be an evangelist. It's not just the outward talk and show, right? It's about living it out in your life. And we all know that, right? We can say, and we know that as Christians, right? We can say the right things. We can do the right things. But if we're not living it out in our life, then it doesn't mean much, right? And so we have to live it out when no one's watching. I'm not talking about being perfect. None of us are perfect. Only Christ is perfect. But a striving to being a man or a woman of character at home at your workplace, when you're playing golf, wherever you're at, is being a person of integrity. Because that's what the unbelieving world is going to see in our lives. That's what's going to win the unbelieving world over to us and want what we have. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit that will change this world for Christ. But if we're unloving or if we're hypocrites, the world's just going to say, well... I don't have anything to do with you guys. My uncle Ned, um, he has done everything imaginable, imag- everything ima- that you can imagine wrong. And I remember my father and I talking to him and saying, um, you know, this is what we believe and this is why we're going on the mission field. This is why we spread the gospel. And he goes, well, y'all are a bunch of hypocrites. All y'all are hypocrites. 
I'm like, you're right, we are. But it's not us that saves us, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that saves us and that's gonna change your life. And he didn't have a rebuttal on that one, you know? But the amazing part about that, as we've had these conversations with my uncle, is dad told me uh, several months ago that he prayed to receive Christ as his personal savior. And it was through those times that we got to share with him. I remember as well, we were going to um, my oldest uncle on my dad's side, Uncle Neil. He was an atheist his whole life, worked for NASA, IQ off the charts, off the charts, but he was an atheist, and he didn't believe what we believed, and we had many conversations like that with him. I rode with my uncle up to Huntsville, and we had a great conversation about that. We got to the deathbed of my uncle, Neil, and before we could get there, my aunt comes running out and just embraces specifically all, me and my dad, but embraced all of us and said, your Uncle Neil prayed to receive Christ right before he lost his voice. You know? <laughs> it's just an amazing thing that God can do that at the last minute of his life. It was the 11th hour, but he, he made it to heaven, you know? And I just think about some of y'all's testimonies of, of sharing with that and just how the gospel, sometimes it takes multiple times to lead somebody to Christ, you know? I heard the gospel my whole life growing up in the church. It took many times, and I'm glad God was patient with me. Glad God was patient with my uncles. I'm glad God is patient with you guys, too. But I just love how God's patience and his love last so long for us. And I have a bunch of stories, but more importantly, what I want to share with you guys is that you have an opportunity where you're at, at your colleges, at your schools, at your jobs, to be an evangelist. And God will give you that power. He will help you overcome what you're struggling with. And he's done it for me. He's done it for my uncles. And I know that he can do it for you guys. And I just want to challenge you with that. Um, I'm going to call Fran and Janice Burgess up. And I just want to share before they, as they're coming up, that they are obeying the commands that God has said. We're called to be here. We're called to be an evangelist here in Clay Trustful, Alabama, the United States, but to the uttermost parts of the world. And not a lot of people want to go to the remotest parts of the world. But my sister and my brother-in-law um, have obeyed that command, and they're be being obedient to Christ. And so we love you. this on? Okay, good. Uh, well, I'm sorry, guys. You're going to miss out. Jordan and I were talking about uh, doing a dance for you. It's a traditional <laughs> P&G goodbye dance, but I forgot the grass skirts and some other stuff, so we'll just leave that up to your imaginations and whatnot. <laughs> let's, but, not, uh, let's not do that. <laughs> so, uh, Janice and I, yeah, we're going to Papua New Guinea. We actually leave uh, Friday, and we just wanted to uh, tell you guys thank you for all you've done for us. Uh, you are a, a beautiful church, a uh, beautiful family, and uh, yeah, we couldn't do what we do over there without you. Um, you guys kind of reminded us of a, a Belem. Now, Janice talked about a Belem uh, last year. It's a bag used in P&G. It's woven, made out of string or bark, 
and uh, it's very useful, and it can hold a lot, and it's really strong. Um, this particular belum, it's made out of uh, bark, actually, and they grab the bark from the trees, and they rub it in their hands to make uh, a string substance, and as you can imagine, that string substance is not quite that strong, but when it's woven together, it can be a very useful and beautiful uh, bag. Uh, this isn't quite so beautiful. I'm not calling you guys not beautiful. You guys are beautiful, but this is the only bag we had that wasn't packed up. But uh, yeah, so the church is a body, and each one of us is one of those strings, and we, we come together, and we're made to be something useful and to do something beautiful in the eyes of our Lord. Um, <clears throat> It also reminded me of uh, verses in 1 Corinthians. This is in chapter 12. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. The foot should not say, the foot, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less part of the body. It would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an ear, an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make what I do less part of the body. But we know that each part of the body is important. And even though some people have jobs that are up in front of people or out and you can see them, other, all of your jobs of part of the body of Christ is important. I just wanted to encourage you to, with that today that even though we get to come here and speak and go overseas, we're no less, we're no more important than what you guys do here. And uh, we just appreciate what you guys do for us. Uh, this has been an interesting furlough. It's been great in ways and tough in others and exhausting in other ways. But uh, you guys have really encouraged us um, and just brought uh, a, a good, it was a good furlough, a good time to, to meet up with friends, family, and, and just worship together. And uh, so we'll be going back for a three-year term. Uh, we leave Friday, like I said, and I'm not sure, I guess I should tell a little bit about what we do. We are with Wycliffe uh, Bible Translators, so we work with an organization that translates the Bible. Um, and in PNG, there's 800 languages. Uh, I think 600 of those do not have one single word of the Bible. And so our purpose there is to, to let people know that they can, uh, they can read the Word of God for themselves and hear what God has to say to them. Just like you were impacted by the Word of God in some way, we want others to be impacted. And uh, we just thank you for sending us and allowing us to do the work of the Lord. I want to ask uh, Dean and Linda and John and Pat and Janice uh, to come up. And um, I ask John if you will close us in prayer, and then Dad if you'll close us in the benediction. And I want to get the elders to come up and lay hands on these guys um, as John closes in a word of prayer. I thought this was going to be easy, but I think it's not going to be so easy. It's bittersweet, and sometimes very bitter. But we approach the Lord in prayer now. Let's bow our heads. Father, you are our Lord. You are our God. We are yours, and you are ours. We pray for Fran, Janice, our children. 
We pray for their children. We pray for our grandchildren, Father, that you would protect them and draw them ever closer to you. You have the power. You have the peace. We and ourselves are nothing. Nothing more than dust in the sky. Lord, you have protected them, and we know that you are in their will. They are there for you, Father. We pray that they would have a successful mission. We pray that they would be responsible for spreading your gospel to an ungodly nation. Lord, we are just like that, though, aren't we? We are a broken land, and Father, we just pray that you'd heal this land as well as Papua New Guinea. Father, I ask for protection for Fran and Janice. I ask for safe travel, Father, an uninterrupted, peaceful travel, one where they arrive rested. It's a long trip. Lord, bless what they're doing. And thank this church, Father. Watch over this church as it serves as an outpost for missionaries to other lands. That it is so successful, Father, that people will turn and come here to hear your word proclaimed. Father, these are things that we ask in your son's name and for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just give the benediction for the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>